Hello and welcome. This is available in audio form as Davcat43 Fights Fascism through the uh, iTunes podcast and wherever podcasts are available and available streaming live on YouTube and Periscope. So I welcome your comments and I thank you for your engagement and attention. Hopefully I deliver on your bare minimum of expectations and even surpass them. So at the moment, what I've brought up on screen is a Twitter account that I love, at uh, Dem Difference, which has Obama's economic legacy as its principal promotional characteristic. So I'm going to go over and have a look. Uh, let's see. Hi to the nine people who are watching. Thanks for joining in. So here we go. Uh, they have a Tumblr account, but what they tweet out typically is graphs and the sources of those graphs. So here, BLS payroll employment and preliminary revision shows that uh, Obama in his last 35 months created 8 million jobs, or we could say 8 million jobs were created in the last 35 months under Obama. And similarly with Trump, uh, under his first 35 months, there were less jobs created. So job, the job creation rate has slowed. This is very important for people to pay attention to because whilst many people recognize that active violent forms of racism are racist or that actively discriminating against somebody in front of you is racist, the willful blindness to Obama's economic achievements is the type of sustained endemic racism that has helped pave the pathway to Trumpism and even prior to Trump's rule helps give power to the Republican Party because they relied heavily on people's rejections of Obama's policies and his accomplishments purely because of an unconscious or conscious bias against the activities of people of colour in the US. So this is one of the most critical things that I think I can do for the US is help talk about racism, help give us language for recognising racism in a way that might be palatable to white people who practice that kind of racism. Because we're all on a continuum of, of uh, racist interaction with the world. All of us have a tendency to seek out in-groups and reject out-groups, but those tendencies are magnified. The more we subscribe to uh, destructive beliefs about the superiority of one racial grouping over another. First of all, racial groups, to group people along racial lines is essentially racist because there's no uh, ascribable characteristics to race. There are ascribable characteristics to culture. Uh, so you can say people that have a cultural practice of valuing education, people that have a cultural practice of forgiveness and adaptation to difficult circumstances, that that is a character-strengthening characteristic, or well, those are character-strengthening characteristics, and we can congratulate any cultures whereby the participants in them are seen as uh, having a statistically greater likelihood of engaging in those practices. So we can congratulate Asian cultures for valuing education. Sometimes we can say, that perhaps there's more uh, fluid learning practiced in other cultures, but the commitment and time spent and uh, 
pursuit of educational excellence is a great characteristic associated with Asian culture. Uh, so yes, because somebody participates in a culture or is a member of a of a group associated with certain cultural practices doesn't mean that any individual is guaranteed to adopt those cultural practices. That's kind of a long-winded way I have of saying that uh, black people are great and it's un collectively speaking and it's been an unfortunate rejection of that circumstance, uh, an unnecessary and irrational, a hate-filled rejection of that that has created an appetite for the untruths of Trumpism, for pretending that the economy was still uh, devastated under Obama when it was in recovery and a trajectory was initiated and changed from the downward trajectory that initiated under the Bush, the leadership and policies of the Bush administration, the white Republican Bush administration, to recovery and an upwards trajectory under Obama. And the failure of American media to discuss that, the failure of American media to acknowledge that Fox News was promoting untruths, the failure of American, white Americans to correct their fellow white Americans who were higher up than they were on a racism continuum or a racism spectrum of, of positions, to say, no, it's not okay to say everything's terrible under Obama. Job creation is bringing people back into the fold of employment under Obama. So that, that departure from reality paved the way for a charlatan, a snake oil salesman and a con artist to take advantage of that reality gap and to tell Americans, the moment has come for economic recovery. Here I am and look, hey presto, the snake oil that I disperse has made the economy recover. And because too many Americans were blinded to the recovery that had already commenced under Obama, they were, had an appetite for that lie and they had an endorsement and an enthusiasm for that lie. And those lies are still significant and operational today. So I can't see any comments at the moment. Let's see if I can fix that. What have I done to fix comments? Maybe I will mess about with the settings guess guess can see viewer comments i'll play a sound when a viewer enters yes shift videos up for comments and banners hmm. okay well i'll enter periscope using another screen to see if i can see comments that way um. oh I have started a new broadcast called mm, Mothering, Performing Hope, Feeling Terror. All right, I'll load that here. Performing hope, feeling. There you go. Oh, I can hear that there's only a few seconds delay. Your audio is better now compared to the previous broadcast. Excellent. That's very good. Thanks, Jeff. I love getting feedback on how the technological aspects of broadcasts are going because it's not my area of expertise, I'm on a learning curve and it's always reassuring to hear that the audio is good. Excellent. I wonder what I moved to change that audio. All right, now let's go back to Twitter and see some more things about Obama's legacy. All right, so 
a comment from former Republican Justin Amash, who I still disapprove of in a political sense, but his current position of rejecting uh, the criminality and obstruction of Republicans, that's a good move and it's good because it has persuasive value to fence-sitters and to independents. Anybody who speaks out who doesn't uh, belong to a, a dismissible category, such as a Democrat, has extra potency in convincing others and we need to build consensus. I'm not saying there's anything inherently dismissible about being a Democrat or being on the left side of politics, but to people who have been trained to fear and dismiss people from the left side of politics, hearing an independent or even a former Republican uh, say out loud these truths, that the president has abused power for personal gain, precisely as the framers of the Constitution feared. To not remove him for such misconduct will embolden future executives to act in their own interests to the detriment of the republic. The impeachment power will be dead law. And of course, there's this poignant, tragic quality to reading that statement because it seems reasonably likely that the corrupt Senate Republicans will in fact vote to endorse criminality and obstruction of justice and abuse of power on the part of Donald Trump. They're already out there on Twitter amplifying Russian disinformation, lying about Joe Biden, uh, who had full international support, the support of the International Monetary Fund, um, EU leaders such as Angela Merkel and three Republican senators when he, in public, with the support of Obama and the rest of the administration, uh, withheld funds uh, from Ukraine, aid funds, in order to uh, encourage the ousting of the corrupt Prosecutor General um, Shokin, Victor Shokin. So I can see Adam Schiff also talking here, saying that, yes, he must be removed and convicted, convicted and removed from office. Yes, he must. And the will is a slightly terrifying question because possibly he won't be. How do we deal with that situation? We transfer our hope to the November election and we transfer our energies to overcoming the obstacles that exist, that we can't pretend don't exist, to the Republic's, Republican Party's commitment to cheating, to voter suppression efforts, both legal and illegal, uh, their commitment to disenfranchising African-American communities, to prevent easy access to voting uh, for predominantly African-American communities who might find that the polling place has been moved out of town or that there are no electrical extension cords connecting electronic voting machines to electrical supplies so that voting is postponed and the voting centres are closed in the early morning when people might have had a chance to go and vote before work. All of these things, we know that the average amount of time for an African-American voter to wait in line is significantly greater than the average amount of time spent by a white American voter in line. <sighs> All right. President Trump signed a tax bill in 2017 that gave away hundreds of billions to corporations and added $2.3 trillion to the debt. Yesterday, he suggested he'll cut Medicare and Social Security to dig America out of his deficit hole, which is unacceptable. This is such an important point 
to get out to listeners who are in America who may know people uh, that support Trump because psychologically speaking, the best way to confront people about wrongdoing is not to challenge them head on. So if they've made a mistake in voting Trump and supporting Trump, voting for Trump, I should say, uh, if you challenge them directly on their support for Trump, psychological protective mechanisms can kick in, in which they might say, how dare you, Trump's the greatest, you're completely wrong, and close down their ability to listen and attend to any details you might provide them. But if you can indirectly say, make your argument without mentioning Trump and say, oh, I'm concerned that there are upcoming cuts to Medicare and Social Security in order to remedy the deficit, that might be a way, a workaround to avoid activating the psychological defense mechanisms that are likely to be employed by Trump voters and Fox News viewers. So asking a question is a great way to instigate people paying attention or to prompt people to pay attention. Oh, I'm concerned about, do we think it's going to be a problem for our family or the people in our community if Medicare and Social Security are cut? even though people have spent a long time contributing to those. Hmm. Because people who engage with statistics and facts know that white voters often vote in Republican political leaders under the assumption that benefits will be cut from black citizens. Uh, Vote on the assumption that it will be black people who are punished, who are hurt by government policies if there are Republican leaders in charge of government policy. Whereas in reality, white people are often the uh, collateral damage to racist votes for racist uh, leaders. It won't just be black people who are oppressed and who are targeted by, um, by small government libertarian style Republicans. Libertarians are often people who believe that black people are unfairly benefited, are unfairly advantaged by the workings of government. Underlying a wish for small government and for libertarian policies is often an unconscious bias against black voters and black citizens of America and an unconscious desire to restore a racial hierarchy they may not even realise they cherish. Uh, They may be victims of propaganda, and when I say victims, I mean not entirely guiltless victims, but victims of propaganda meant since the Reagan era and prior to convince them that the principal beneficiaries of government assistance are people of colour, and an unwillingness to engage with history and learn about the various measures that have been systemically present across government and across institutions and society that have disadvantaged African-American people. That after the war of the America's civil war was fought, that land giveaways occurred, but not to the, um, not to freed slaves. Land giveaways occurred to white European farmers. Uh, There was still sufficient racism inherent in the minds of America's leaders that they did not want to help the people who had been removed from their unpaid um, labor, coerced, unpaid, physically punished, um, separated from their family members and sold away from, 
from their family members and loved ones, uh, that they deserved to have access to income, they deserved to have access to land, they deserved something to help them exist after their slave masters were no longer providing them with bread and water for their um, unpaid labour. So that's really uh, a critical element of understanding where libertarian promoters are coming from. The economy certainly is not booming. The manufacturing sector is in recession. You might not be apprised of that, but you can Google it and find out. Uh, if you're unsure as to why the manufacturing industry in the US is in recession, it's because Trump first tweeted that trade wars are good and easy to win, and then he commenced instituting tariffs on American trading partners uh, that sabotaged the relationship between farmers and export targets such as China. Uh, and that then, that loss of income then hurt the manufacturing sector, which supplied farmers, as well as tariffs imposed on imported goods, hurting manufacturers um, who couldn't import component parts of their manufactured products without uh, attracting tariffs, without attracting additional costs. The tariffs also led to a global downturn. The tariffs against American allies, against American trading partners, led to a global downturn which reduced demand for American-made products, American-manufactured products. So that's some of the reasons why there is a manufacturing recession at the moment, and that has spillover effects to other industries such as the trucking and tr the transport industry. So if you were unaware of this, perhaps you don't personally know any farmers who have suffered under the economic hardships instigated by Trump's uh, grandiose and misguided pol policies. Uh, perhaps you might know somebody from the manufacturing industry who has lost their job or who is at risk of losing their job or who is merely fearful because they have seen others lose their jobs. So that's uh, very important things to keep in mind, that we have to promote awareness of how Trump's economic policies are hurting people in the US, as well as Trump's environmental policies. He's just relaxed the standards uh, on water. So as much as he loves to go around trumpeting that America has the cleanest air and the cleanest water, and that's his intention to, to keep things that way, America certainly has undrinking water for a number of populations. People might assume that it's only the African-American dominant population of Flint, Michigan, but there's other rural communities in America that also lack access to clean drinking water. They can't bathe or drink or consume water that comes out of their tap. Uh, perhaps it's been poisoned by nearby fracking or perhaps other factors are at play. Perhaps under-regulated industrial byproducts have contaminated their water. So why is Trump further... Uh, changed water regulations in what the New York Times describes as a victory for farmers and industry groups. Yes, I've also seen some interviews that are with unhappy farmers, but farmers still uh, en masse tend to be conservative, uh, possibly have religious ties, Fox News viewership that finds it difficult to process the harm that Trump is doing to them. Nevertheless, those interviews with farmers who have been hurt by Trump's policies are very important because, as I said before, people who report on what's happening 
that are from unexpected affinity groups. So if you say, yes, you expect Democratic affiliated groups to have people who'll criticize Trump, then people who don't side with those groups, who don't have an affinity with Democrats or college-educated people, will pay less attention to those groups. They think those groups are advocating only in their own interests and they have aligned themselves and their interests to um, Donald Trump. Why isn't that working? Ah, I have to plug something in there. So... uh, What was I just saying? Yes, very important to amplify the message of people who speak from outside of um, expected, stereotypical uh, Trump-opposing groups. Uh, What would Trump have to do for the Republicans to abandon him? We don't know because it depends on the extent of the crimes that Republicans are involved in. And they may be involved in a lot of crimes. So we know that uh, in North Carolina, the candidate, Republican candidate Mark Harris specifically employed someone who was associated with electoral fraud. And his own son, John Harris, an attorney general for that area, for North Carolina, advised his father not to employ that particular person who was associated with fraudulent activity. His father did anyway. So that could be very well the tip of the iceberg of... Um, inherent, systematic, fraudulent behaviour carried out by people in the GOP to preserve power even as they were losing their share of the electoral market, even as communities in America became more diverse, even as migrants moved to all areas in the US and the hold of a political party that catered to the prejudices and convictions of white supremacists became less of a political force. And not to say that only white people are attracted to that. You have people of colour who are sometimes attracted to white supremacist dogma because they believe that if they join them, they can beat them. If they join them, they can share in the distributed advantages of belonging to a pursue power at all cost fiscally conservative-sounding party. Uh, Yes. So, yes, cuts to Medicare and cuts to Social Security ironically would uh, affect Republican states more. Republican voters probably don't realise this, but there is a general flow of federal assistance from blue states, from the taxes paid by people in blue states to red states that are overall less fiscally productive. Uh, farming generates income, but it's it's not as potent an economic force as, say, the output of Silicon Valley. So most red-supporting voters wouldn't realise that California is the fifth largest economy in the world, uh, standing alongside of countries with, with gross domestic products. So California, even as a subsidiary state, uh, is so fiscally productive that it generates a GDP that rivals and supersedes most of the other countries of the entire world. And Silicon Valley has certainly benefited from migrants uh, and from that economic generating buzz that migrants bring to a country. So America has been exceptional in its codified laws that welcomed 
migrants and gave them equal rights and was therefore attractive to them, gave them protections under the law. So under fascism, you'll note that there's rapidly eroding protections for individuals. There are people being deported without fair uh, process. There are American citizens being held, even though they've shown Border Patrol officers their birth certificate and their passport. Uh, and this erosion of individual rights is applauded as a necessary corrective measure by Republicans who have been fed for so long um, propaganda from right-wing media, that the world is disintegrating, that America is disintegrating because it's too tolerant, too protective of individual rights. Uh, basically, what Republicans are complaining about is the comfort uh, of a wealthy industrial society where... Some time has passed now since the destructive, deadly world wars that, that horrified people in the aftermath and gave rise to the generation of laws, um, international agreements to protect migrants and to protect asylum seekers. So that was the feelings that people had after World War II, horror at the loss of life, horror at the industrialised scale slaughter of people such as Jewish people, um, enemies of Hitler, uh, Catholics who spoke up, homosexual people and people with disabilities, um, how that happened at an industrial level under Hitler, how engineers and scientists from various international companies helped in the construction of ovens and crematoria to help the Nazis more efficiently uh, mass murder Jewish people and dispose of their bodies. I don't like to talk about it, but that is what happened and it is revulsion in connection with learning about those activities and those events that made the UN adopt in 1953 uh, an agreement for the protection of asylum seekers. And sufficient time has elapsed since those tragedies and those horrors uh, that enough Americans have forgotten. Enough Americans are embracing the torture and mistreatment of migrant children at the border. I sometimes wish that people could show footage of those migrant children and use a filter to gradually change the skin colour of the children in those uh, videos to white or just to put them as white in the first place to activate people's horror and people's empathetic uh, faculties once again because people could empathise uh, with Jewish people but sometimes racism can prevent people from empathising appropriately with uh, badly treated, abused uh, and orphaned brown-skinned migrant children. So not enough of America has stood in the street to protest the fact that how many children is it now? Eight children have that are known have died under uh, the negligent and willfully abusive treatment of American officials operating under guarantees from Trump that they are unlikely to be prosecuted or held accountable if they break the law and are actively encouraged to deprive children of soap, hygiene facilities, adequate access to water or, or heat, etc. So children who have slept under thin aluminium foil for a blanket, who've been denied the ability to wash their hands, who have shared close quarters with us. Uh, 
with children who um, are not toilet trained yet but have lacked supplies of, of nappies uh, and who have been cared for by other children. So eight-year-olds looking after a non-toilet trained uh, baby, two-year-old without nappies. Um, so you can imagine the creation of deadly conditions and debilitating conditions for those children that have been inadequately protested by Americans. Um, I've donated to an organization at the border called RACES, R-A-I-C-E-S, in Texas, uh, in order to do something to help those migrant children. But I'd like to promote that more because whilst Americans can perceive the injustice, if they do put money towards remedying that injustice, putting money towards something is action and taking that action promotes further action, further you, – you've – basically messaged your own brain that you're committed to that cause. So if you donated even $5 to Racist Texas, you would be emboldening and encouraging yourself to take further action to bring people's attention to the tragedies and devastation at the border, to the mistreatment and sexual abuse of children uh, separated from their adult caregivers, uh, children separated from even their siblings, children denied permission to hug their siblings, hug their own siblings. Um, small children trying to commit suicide because their parents have been removed and they don't understand if they'll ever see them again and they may be correct in their surmising that they'll never be able to see their parents again. So these are tragedies that should loom more large in the conscience of Americans and people who watch me are probably uh, more advanced on the continuum of caring about that. But at the same time, to anybody who hasn't made even a small donation to races. I, I would encourage you to do it just because it will embolden you to be uh, more of an advocate for those children. It will psychologically light up parts of your brain that says, I've made this commitment, um, I've put this stake in the ground for this value and I must do more to uphold that value. Uh, and you're not necessarily going to be encouraged by peer pressure because it's not a majority position to take to to be an active advocate for the children being abused by Trump and his officials at the border between the US and Mexico between US and Mexico uh, but everything you do to be an active advocate so somebody who takes action to promote the well-being of the suffering children uh, that's so key so I know a lot of people probably uh, put their energy into um, advocating for pro-life purposes, uh, even though longitudinal studies show that women who are denied access to reproductive uh, choice facilities, denied access to abortion clinics, uh, their life outcomes have been followed and it's typically found that they experience, they're more likely to experience financial hardship, relationship abuse, relationship breakdown, etc., than people who were allowed to seek an abortion in a timely fashion. Uh, so yes, I don't approve of or endorse the activities of pro-life people, but I can at least understand the motivation to help people who are weaker. And I would encourage anybody of good conscience who supports a pro-life position to put their pro-life actions uh, 
in alignment with their value system and help support the lives of children whose lives and, and well-being is threatened at the border, children, conscious, sentient children who have been wickedly separated from their parents. So no, I, I don't wish to argue with people who would deride children as lawbreakers. I don't wish to argue with people who don't understand that Trump has violated um, UN agreements that America is a, um, a signer, a, an endorser of. Can't think of the right term at present, um, but yes, people at the border, people turning up at border crossing points, as per legislation, as per the requirements, have nevertheless been treated with cruelty, had their children taken from them, uh, and have suffered being separated and imprisoned from their imprisoned children. So it's not a cons- it's not a, a case of the Trump administration merely upholding the law. They have not upheld the law. They've subverted the law in many cases. That's why UCLA has been successful in some instances taking uh, the US administration to court uh, because laws have been broken and the spirit of the law has also been significantly challenged. It's not the spirit of American asylum seeker or immigration law to purposefully um, psychologically and emotionally torment children to deprive them of their adult caregivers and their advocates to leave them without protection at the mercy of uh, scrupulous unscrupulous and corrupt border guards who have used and abused these children in some cases for their own sexual gratification there are thousands of migrant children who have reported being sexually abused uh, and the trump administration has also acted to deny the children access to to legal advice, even freely offered legal advice, as well as denied them access to um, recreational activities. So children being denied the opportunity to play soccer, to release steam, to, to live in a humane fashion. And children have been kept in moments of crisis, strapped to chairs with bags placed over their head. A type of psychological torture that you might reserve for hardened criminals in a um, high security detention facility. Uh, Imagine putting a bag over the head of a frightened child who is in psychological torment, who has been separated from family members, who has been given no word of where their family is and no means of contacting their family members. (sighs) I'll write it up on the board because I might not be able to spell it properly. the time okay I've got to go to the gym oh I could even put a link it's hot in here okay I'm gonna create a link and post it up as a banner Texas. All right, so it looks like their website is racestexas.org. I will put that as a banner. Dun, dun, dun. It is so exciting that I can do this. I should promote a charity every single day because I broadcast most weekdays now that school is back and that would really make me feel like I was 
adding something of value. Another thing that I could do would be suggest local community organizations to join and I could promote those. So if any of you are members of a community organization that you would like to promote, um, think global, act local is my new message for uh, how to work under a Trump administration, how to work under fascism. Let's have a look. I'm going to try and add something else. I want to add a article called Political Hobbyists Are Ruining, ruining, um, <laughs> ruining Politics, which says our collective treatment of politics as a sport incentivizes politicians to behave badly and it cultivates attitudes and skills that are counterproductive to building power. So we do have to maybe formalize more of our goals, building power. So not just circulating outrage and providing intellectual gratification or emotional stimulation for ourselves in our dull lives to go, what has Trump done now? What are we outraged about now? We have to make sure that we um, highlight uh, we capitalize on our outrage. We harness the power of our outrage and our emotional distress for power, uh, for purposeful power, so that we're not just complaining about things being out of our control. We're taking action at a local level. So I know of another organization called Run for Something, which I might choose to highlight now. Run for something. Because that encourages people who might not be your typical uh, candidates, but particularly female candidates have been very successful uh, in the 2018 midterm elections. People who were just pushed so far that they had to do something about it, that the Trump administration's evident corruption and inhumanity forced them to step out and advocate for their, their local communities and also their consciences. And that was very powerful when the uh, freshmen, the Democratic freshmen from sort of intelligence community backgrounds came out in favour of impeachment and said, we were hesitant to do this, uh, but the evidence that Trump has committed a crime is so significant, we, we need to move forward with this process of having impeachment hearings in the House. So now I can go show. This is the runforsomething.net if anybody listening to me has the potential to run for something in their local community. Uh, take this as your moment of encouragement. All right. If anybody wants to, I'll leave that up for a little while. Oh, there's comments that I haven't responded to, so let's check out the comments. Jeanette's going to donate. That's fantastic. Ah, so I have a troll who can't spell infinite but is claims that I'm doing, I'm endorsing illegal activity. No, my thinking's not in the minority. Actually, Americans support the dreamers. So Americans, by a very high margin, there was something like 86% support for dreamers who were brought to the US as children and Americans endorsed the idea of treating dreamers humanely, allowing them to apply for temporary visas that would allow them to work and study 
in the US. So not punishing people, even if they are now adults, but if they were once brought into the country as children. So the level of inhumanity that Trump and his administration has exhibited towards uh, children of asylum seekers and migrants, that is not a inhumanity that that was broadly endorsed by Americans. It's endorsed by a minority of hate-crazed Americans who have watched too much Fox News. So, no, no, the poll of 86% support for Dreamers was not a poll of Democrats. So I will beat you for spreading disinformation. Actually, I blocked you. <laughs> um, because they possibly are a real person who, with real potential to be convinced, but they were very mouthy. And considering that they very possibly are a Russian-paid troll person, um, they don't need to be given rent space in my head for free or, or rent space on this broadcast for free. Uh, nobody who spreads disinformation has earned that. And the frequency of those comments and the fact that they were perfectly willing to make incorrect assertions, such as that it was 86% of Dems who support Dreamers, uh, means they've disqualified themselves from being able to participate in this forum. Thank you. I appreciate that, Jeanette. Um, all right, I'm going to go back to this article and I'm thinking I will share the title of the article so that if anybody else wants to read along or have a look, this is arguing that we have invested too much of our time in reading and sharing news stories without actually personally volunteering our time to political organisations that build power, that harness the ability of humans to make an impact when operating at a collective level. So uh, this part of it I haven't actually read. Let's see. In the Democratic Party coalition, racial minorities have long operated in tension with the well-educated cosmopolitan wing of the party. It's a tension between those who have concrete demands from politics and seek empowerment and those who have enough power that politics is more about self-gratification than fighting for anything. Only if you don't need more power than you already have could you possibly consider politics a form of consumption from the couch rather than a domain of goals and strategies? Hmm. Wow, so in 1967, Kwame Ture, formerly known as Stokely Carmichael, uh, argued for a long time that African Americans tried for too long to work with groups such as the Club Democrats. The author argued that liberal white professionals didn't really um, value black empowerment, actually often impeded black empowerment and failed to understand the life and death consequences for political power. Let black people organise themselves first, they wrote, define their interests and goals and then see what kind of allies are available. Well, that's fascinating. And very believable because uh, at present I find myself very frustrated with people on Twitter who continue to ignore the fact that Joe Biden attracts a significant amount of support from black communities, from, from not only older black voters but also uh, from younger black voters as well. And that he is a candidate who, if he, that, who consistently... Um, wins in matchup contests between Trump and a Democratic political candidate in battleground states, which is key to defeating Trump 
through the Electoral College. Because sure, Trump could lose the popular vote again, but if he doesn't lose the Electoral College in the Electoral College system, then he retains power with devastating consequences for, yes, uh, the black community as well as migrants to the US and potential migrants to the US and refugees, as well as for the planet in general, because Trump will continue to poison the livable earth, continue to poison the biosphere, continue to act as a puppet, not only for Putin, but for Putin's fossil fuel cronies. Putin is certainly the biggest fossil fuel executive on the planet or the most powerful and wealthy fossil fuel executive on the planet because he receives a share of the profits and has a controlling interest in all of Russia's fossil fuel fossil fuel companies. So it's fair to say that there is a significant plot to jeopardize the existence of all humans on this planet in order to short-term in continue with the enrichment of um, individuals who have shares or part ownership or a governing interest in fossil fuel companies, oil and gas and coal companies. Jeanette says, you are so patient, I need to be more eloquent like you. I'm very glad if you think I have any measure of inspiration to deal, to deal out to my audience. Uh, the fact that I have no area of certifiable expert, well, not no area of certifiable expertise, but no political area of expertise, I always hope that that will encourage others to take up a pen to write letters. If you manage to write a letter, take a photo of that letter and share it to social media to empower others, because we need to see members of our affinity groups speak out. Mothers need to see other mothers. Uh, there's so much more work that can be done in terms of harnessing the power of maternal outrage and maternal protectiveness. And feminists have done a disservice to humankind by trying to diminish the significance of uh, maternal organisation and maternal collective power. But we are bringing it back for a resurgence. Thanks for listening, Craig. Cheerio. <laughs> Um, I will click on this article. Uh, let's see. Oh, you guys can't see it yet. So I will close the Atlantic article and remove it and add a new article called Mothering in the Age of Extinction. So, uh, it's discussing some of the problems. Parents have always worried about their kids' futures and presence at the same time. And that goes double for mothers who are marginalised in any way and triple for the mothers of black sons who still have to have the talk in 2020 knowing it may not help. Wearing climate goggles is a new version of this special pain. So it's not an individual, it's not a marginalised community, but anybody who knows about science is an emotionally marginalized community. So not marginalized in any physical sense, but we, if we have any uh, understanding of climate science, we have to wear climate goggles and, and suffer this particular pain, performing hope when we feel terror, preparing our kids for the worst without letting on too much, trying to make them resilient, but not bitter, prepared, but not terrified. 
So I'm thinking I've tried to exclude my children from my broadcasts, but I'm thinking I will include them uh, because it's evidence of my maternal credentials that it is their future that I am terrified for. Uh, I am terrified because of the number and amount and strength of the obstacles in the way of taking even the barest minimum of, of the needed action to change our trajectory from straight into the pit of hellmouth in terms of uh, rising temperatures and a cooked biosphere, uh, a cooked opportunity for humans to supply food to themselves, um, disrupted agricultural systems, disrupted, disrupted marine systems, and I should say devastated, not just disrupted, devastated agricultural systems that will leave the supermarkets empty, that will leave uh, fishing industries bereft of produce and product. Uh, so any of us who understand that the oceans have absorbed a lot of the heat engendered by greenhouse, the greenhouse effect and uh, additional gases pumped by human industrial processes into the atmosphere, trapping heat, that a lot of that extra heat has been trapped by the oceans which are at capacity for absorbing heat and that we are in the near future likely to exhibit, um, sorry, to experience escalatingly devastating climate conditions. So here we go. Mum friends, meanwhile, share their climate grief with me, their full body anxiety, the dread they feel for their kids' futures, a weird and profoundly sad thing for a mother to feel looking into the face of a cheery five-year-old. Yep, that's very super relatable. The low-level panic that hums through their bodies while doing normal everyday things like packing lunches and planning playdates. The sudden realisation as they're stressing about balancing work and parenting that things are about to get so much worse as work-life balance morphs into work survival balance. So this author has been a climate reporter for 20 years. She knew the score before she chose to have children. But it's mostly the images of my kids and yours, embroiled in resource wars, losing their innocence far too young, wearing gas masks to high school, and an accompanying sense of righteous indignation on their behalf that propels my work on the subject. So she goes on to write about how mothers were key organisers during the civil rights movement and remain important social justice activists. Maternal rhetoric was a cornerstone of the abolitionist movement before that. More recently, maternal activism has been key to the gun reform movement. What feminist scholar Patricia Hill Collins calls community mothering has been a powerful part of organising in black communities forever. Community mothering is essentially the idea that you mother not only your own children, if you have them, your own family members, but also the community around you. It doesn't have to be done exclusively by women, although it often has been. Anthropologists, ooh, like Sarah Blaffer-Hardy, have seen this approach across, across multiple other communities as well. And in fact, Hardy credits it with the human brain evolving towards critical thinking. Well, all right, that's a great point. We... <sighs> We have communities and we need to use our most evolved skills, our most evolved skill sets, our most evolved critical thinking abilities to address the problem of climate change, to address the problem of climate 
disasters, escalating climate disasters. So there we go. In many marginalised communities, community mothers are the ones leading the charge to clean up the water, get transit working, hold police accountable, generally look out for their neighbours. Actions that regularly lead to major statewide and even nationwide shifts. And she criticises mainstream feminists who have targeted maternal activism. So mothering becomes portrayed as politically immature vehicle claimed by women who fail to develop a so-called radical analysis of the family as the site of oppression. All right, Western feminism, I shake my finger at you. That's a bad thing to try and derail the concept of the family. It is bad to stigmatize family as a tool of Western oppression. And we had better step back from that. And I'm saying that as a Western family coming, a Western feminist, coming to collect my own. Celebrate families. That's the unit of society. It's the unit of generating more people into a society. And whilst it's okay to to discuss and examine the dynamics of families, the dynamics of expectations placed upon men and women, it is not okay to disavow maternal instincts. It's not okay to disavow uh, familial the existence of families as being the driver of, of good, the, the antidote to, to entropy, to the natural dissipating force of the universe. Motherhood is the opposite of a dissipating force. Mother is a co- motherhood is a collecting, organizing and productive force. And that is such a necessary antidote to the nihilism of, of escalating fascism around the world. So that's all I'm going to say today. Oh, I will go back to StreamYard and click on some of the banners so that I can show people more. My promoted charity of the day, which is Racist Texas, and whatever money you give to them, you will be investing in your own psyche. Psychologists know that when you make a commitment to something, you become a more powerful advocate. You are harnessing your intellectual and psychological resources towards saving those children. So you make a $2, $5 donation. You haven't just helped them with that donation. You have helped empower yourself as an advocate and more people will hear the truth about what's happening to those children because of what your brain will empower you to do, what your brain will empower you to say after it sees that you have made even a small financial commitment to that charity. My my YouTube account, I will also show you if you wish to see um, another place where I broadcast from. I have a Patreon account as well. If you want to, if you want to, I have four Patreons to whom I'm very grateful. If you want to promote my work and if you want to commit yourself to viewing this type of alternate media, if you want to be a consumer of non-corporate media news and analysis, that's me and that's an alternate source information that I want to promote, not just me doing it, but anybody who's committed to bringing you information as opposed to fascist Trumpian 
uh, disinformation about how the world works, about the consequences of indulging fascists. They will try and say, indulge fascists and you will purify your society and make it more white and make it serve your interests more if you are white. Your stock market holdings will go up and everything will be great. If you don't have stock market holdings, maybe you anticipate having stock market holdings. Continue to support Donald Trump and you will get your heart's desires. He will personally give you some shares in the stock market and all your dreams will come true because that is the nature of having a fascist charlatan in, in power. He will betray you as he promises you the world. And even the white people who feel that he will protect them will also be the victims of the worldwide type of destruction that he unleashes. And you know what? White political activism, white political hobbyism at least may help in one sense of constraining Trump uh, because all of the criticism about him starting an Iranian a war with Iran might have saved thousands of hundreds of thousands of lives in making him pull back from that because he could see it wasn't a popular move with his base. He actively loves having things, doing things that are unpopular with Democrats because he doesn't govern to help them. He governs to aggravate and annoy them because that annoyance is the source of his power because it psychologically empowers people on the right who are so filled with derision and hatred and contempt that they actively get off um, or empowered by Trump promising and delivering on persecuting the ideals, the pro-social ideals of the left, the welcoming and integration of migrants, the helping the afflicted, the unfortunate and the asylum seekers, uh, taking care of migrant children and providing them with basic hygiene and not depriving them of their loved ones and their adult caregivers whether that be an accompanying grandparent or parent or older sibling. Uh, only Trump supporters uh, relish that cruelty in purposefully separating children from family members. Uh, and I don't endorse it. I can see how they've been lied to for so long about the importance of promoting pro-life, the importance of taking care of America above everything else, and they're historically ignorant that that was the pathway to Nazism and that allowed Adolf Hitler to similarly mislead the German public into thinking that he would um, bring their nation honour, credibility and power. That's not what accrued to Germany in the 1940s. You did not have international acclaim for Germany's actions. All of their winnings were ephemeral, all of their glory that Adolf Hitler brought them was transmuted into well-deserved uh, shame and psychological torment for people who had to contend with what was done in their name under the leader whom some of them had elected. All right. Back to Patreon. Oh, everybody's gone, but that's okay. It's late at night for Americans and I've been talking for a while. So, oh. mm, no. there we go. Racist Texas. I need to clean that board up a bit, um, which I will do another time when I have more of an audience. Thank you again for listening and watching. Take care. All the best. See you another time. Bye.